Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College Podcast. Our preacher today spent most of her childhood overseas and continues to serve the Global Missions family even as an adult. Many know her for her work with the Missionary Kids Ministries or MK Ministries, but she currently serves as the Executive Director at Compassion Services International, the UPCI-endorsed international relief agency who works with the global missions and missionaries to help those in need outside of North America and strives to alleviate the human suffering of peoples around the world. The students of Indiana Bible College enjoyed the ministry of Sister Celinda Nickel while she was here on campus last semester, and we know that you will enjoy her message as well. Before we get into today's episode, I am a warrior, you need to know that we want to see you in St. Louis, Missouri, July 31 through August 2. It's hard to believe that it's been two years since NAYC, North American Youth Congress, was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're excited to see all of you in St. Louis. As the date approaches, make sure to keep listening to the IBC podcast for special giveaways, deals, and insider info. July 31st through August 2nd will be life-defining moments for thousands of young people, and we are excited to be a part of this year's North American Youth Congress. So make sure you swing by the booth and say hello to us. A special note to all you warriors out there who are battling the secular noise and making time to listen to this podcast. We hope that you are blessed by the efforts, and if so, would you do us the ultimate honor and share the IBC podcast with someone that you think would enjoy it? Together, we can join the fight for the cause of Christ. After all, I am a warrior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. You can take your seats, but please... Remain standing. We are very privileged and very honored this morning to have with us a graduate of Indiana Bible College, Sister Celinda Shirley Nickel, graduated from this college, and we're very pleased that she's here today. She, along with Rob Rodenbush and a few others, about 30-some years ago, launched the MK Ministries. And thank you, Amers and, and MKs. And for the uh, last 11 years, she has served as the coordinator and the director of the MK Ministries. Recently... Her burden shifted, and now she is serving as one of the executives of Compassion Services International. Her husband, John, and her two daughters support her in her ministry. Her pastor, Brother Gaddy, supports her in her ministry. And this is another wonderful success story of a graduate of Indiana Bible College when you're willing to give your heart and your life to the Lord. Sister Nickel, come and share the word of the Lord with us. Let's give her an IBC welcome home applause. 
Well, praise the Lord, IBC. You can be seated. It is so amazing to be home today, back in this building, and the memories that come flooding into my mind, um, some good, some that I get called into the office for, but there was very few of those, very tiny. But I want to just say to you all, thank you for giving your life fully to the Lord and to his kingdom and just really growing yourself in the ministry. Um, I love your staff. I look at them and I think of the memories that I have with all of them. And I'm, I'm just honored to be here. Missionary kids that are here, I love you. And there's some Arkansas people here. Abigail is here, and Hensley, and Megan, and I just see a bunch of Arkansas people, and so Arkansas is home to me now. If you're from Louisiana or somewhere else, don't throw things when I say Arkansas. Um, I remember when we moved from North Carolina to Arkansas, my daughter was pretty young, and she said, when are we going to start to see the people with the rednecks? When do we see them? And I'm like, don't, let's not talk about that again. Just put that away. So, did I say that my niece Megan is here? Can I just say that again? She's so amazing. I love her. The Rodenbushes have been huge influencers in my life, and so I thank you. I remember a time of a crossroad in my own life, and them pointing me in the right direction. So I want to talk to you all. How many of you are excited to be out of school? Yes, I know. If you all are not, the teachers are. They are just like, yes. So we can be honest. How many of you are excited to be out of school? All right. I thought so. Once you heard the permission that the teachers are excited, then y'all are like, okay, me too. Um, I want to talk to you about something that I feel very strongly in the spirit today, but I want to talk to you about the fact that I am a warrior. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a warrior. I'm going to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Now, I was recently in Brazil less than a month ago, and I began to talk to them about uh, the Amazon woman, and I realized real quickly that that was not a good thing to talk about, so I just switched right over and just started talking about something else. So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about a, a nation of women rising up, although I will say I think I was the first female to speak at chapel back in the day, so... Now you all have females speaking a lot in chapel. Go girl power. Guy power too. High five to all the guys, but I'm just saying. I had to get that out. Uh, the guys came up afterwards. I still remember what I spoke on. I spoke on go and tell somebody. And some of the guys came up afterwards and they're like, yeah, I was all right. You're a girl. So I was like, I was standing up for you girls way back in the day, 2,000 years ago. I was like, there's some girls that are going to be coming to IBC that need someone to stand up on their behalf years later. So I am a warrior. I'm going to talk to you about three things that we need to rise up on behalf of. And if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Chronicles 11.22. I give honor to Brother and Sister Rodenbush that are not here. They're amazing, and they're doing a great work of God. At this school, I'm thankful to work for Compassion Services International, and that is a nonprofit for our organization. And if you need to know more about it, come and ask us because you need to be a part of it. 
Everybody found it? I hear less pages, or I hear your phone vi vibrating less, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Benaya, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. Now, don't say that if you're tired, because all of that was just like blah, 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 ginger. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors, and he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Now, how many of you have seen a lion in real life, like gone to the zoo, your parents drug you there 10,000 years ago or whatever it was, and you're like, sometimes they don't come out very often. Um, I remember in working with the missionary kids, being in Africa, and some of these kids had never been on a safari. So we went through kind of like a drive-through fake safari, so to speak, where you sit in your car, and there are animals. There are real animals, but this is not like the safari safari. I didn't pay for the upgraded version of going in tents and all of that. And so we were driving, and we came across this sign for the park, and there was some teenage lions that were hanging out on top of this sign. And I thought they were really cool. And if you've ever wondered, teenage guys, how many of you know how, like, guys, when their voice is, like, coming into the manliness, it, it's like, ah! Uh, and there's kind of, like, a point. Okay, well, guys don't want to admit it, but that does happen to their voices. Okay, don't harass them about it. It's just something they go through. So, the girls can maybe know that that happens, but the guys are not going to admit that it happens. So the teenagers were out there practicing their voices, and that's called caroling. And they were out there, and they were practicing their roars. And just their practice alone, you could hear the vibration in your car. I mean, you could feel it. It's like, <laughs> and they're just practicing. And so there was another car that was in front of us, and it was filled with people from another country. I don't know if they didn't speak the language of their tour guide, but they decided to get out and go to take some pictures of them, even on a closer basis. And so they got out. They had their big cameras. And uh, the teenage lions that had been practicing their caroling suddenly decided, this is a tasty treat that is coming to look. And so they decided to get off of their little perch. And I have never seen someone from another country get into a vehicle quite so quickly. And our tour guide began to tell us that lions are not only uh, interested in eating us, the first thing they like to do when they capture you is start to lick on your skin. Now I found that interesting because I hate when cats even lick on my skin. They said, you know how a cat's tongue is rough, but a lion, imagine a hundred times that because they actually like to lick you to actually pull your skin off. And what they do is, see, you all are awake now and tracking with me. I should have started with this. You know what I'm saying? The phones would have gone down. Everybody would have been like, oh, I like her. She's talking about lions licking your skin off. So what they will do is they will start licking to the point of your skin comes off, and then you are a tasty, like a little nugget for them. Now, the reason I tell you that is because the enemy in the Bible is likened unto a roaring lion. He does not want to play with you. He does not want to hang out with you. He does not want to have story time with you. He is here to destroy you. He has watched you. He is your adversary. And so I find it interesting that this mighty warrior of David's went after in a snowy pit, meaning he had no footing 
And he went down and he killed a lion. And so if the Lord is calling me to be a warrior, that means I have to start standing up to the enemy of my soul. And so the enemy is coming and he's telling me about my biggest regrets in life. He is after my mind. He is after my peace. He is after my relationships. He is after my joy. He is after my victory, and he is after my testimony. And if that is not enough, he comes personally and tells me that people don't like me and that I'm ugly and that I smell bad. He knows exactly how to get to you. You see, he has studied you. I don't know what your greatest fear is, but he does. And so he whispers it into your ear at night, and you begin to agree right along with him because you are weak and your adversary is talking to you. But we have to do just like Jesus did when the adversary comes after us and start quoting the word to him. I find it interesting that the enemy came after Jesus after he had been on an extended fast. It wasn't like Jesus had just fasted going on um, the internet for the day and then the enemy came after him. He came after him after he had been on how many days fast? Can you imagine how weak his physical body had to be at that point? And so that is when the enemy decided to come in, and then he started to play after things that he felt like he would associate with. But what did Jesus do? He quoted the word of God right back to him. And that is what you and I have to do. As a warrior for ourselves. no one is going to rise up for you. Do you understand? No one has a burden for you like you do. And until you start getting this word of God into yourself to know how to stand up for yourself, sometimes you're going to be defeated. But once you know the word of God, that is when you can stand for yourself and say, no, 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 not today. Not today, because I know that I will delight myself in the Lord, and he is going to give me the desires of my heart. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. And so when the enemy comes in, you have to know the word of God for yourself. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I have got to rise up for myself. I have got to know the word of God. And when these things come against me, know the word of God and combat it in my mind. I was recently speaking to some girls and they were hyphen age and and the Lord had spoken to me in prayer earlier that day about things that come into my mind and he said why don't you write the things that come into your mind every day as an attack or a question and how many of you if I were to ask you what that is the things that you hear over and over in your mind you would be able to list some of them okay so there is one person there's there's things that come after our mind on a daily basis. You're not good enough. They haven't chosen you. You're never going to make it. You're not going to succeed. But all of those things that come in our mind, we have to know scriptures that we can war against that and take authority over it. God has given you the tools. And so even though we find this mighty warrior seeing that there was a lion, the one that was coming against him, he went and he went after it. And that's what we have to take the posture of in prayer and in the spirit. I am coming after these things that you're bringing to my mind over and over. I'm not going to take this. We do not have to lay down and just be rolled over. We can stand up for ourselves through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so that is what we're going to do. We're going to become a warrior for ourselves. We are going to stand up. We're going to get after the goals that God has given us. 
when you all leave, some of you are seniors. How many of you are seniors? Awesome. There's going to be attacks against your mind. I'm not saying that to scare you, but there's going to be attacks against your mind. It might have already been started like you don't have a place to go. You've you spent how long in that college, and now you're trying to come out and go somewhere? There's no place that even wants you. You're calling in your ability. You thought you were standing up to do that, but, you know, where are you going to go now? What are you going to do, move in with your mom and dad? Oh, that was a great waste of time. But you know what? That's why you've got to know what you believe. You've got to know the word of God for yourself. I am called. I am chosen. I am going to do a great work for God. Greater is he that is in me. You have got to set God-sized goals for your life. No one else is going to do that for you. You have got to set goals in your life that are so impossible to man that they look at you and laugh and you said, that's okay because you know what? God and I are a majority. We are going to do this thing. We're going to turn the world upside down. But you got to do that. There's not, I don't know about you all, but I don't have like seven cheerleaders in my bedroom every morning. I mean, I'm great to get my eyes open. And sometimes if I wake up early enough, my husband is still standing there and he's like looking for coffee or something. So it's not like he's helping at that point. I don't have cheerleaders every day that's going to say, or my pastor doesn't visit, you know, each morning at 10 o'clock and say, you're going to make it. You've got what it takes to win. That gives me a high five, and none of that happens. If that happens to you, God bless you. But you have, that might be a little creepy too, right, your pastor? I can imagine Pastor Gaddy giving me a high five every morning. He'll be like, please transfer to another church immediately. I'm tired of doing this. But here's the deal. We have got to take that authority over our own life. Do you understand? Especially when you leave the school this summer, you're not going to be reinforced by these chapels. It's going to be up to you to get into the Word of God every day. You have got to have that time of prayer. I know that when I came here my third year, that the Lord really was dealing with me about getting into prayer and getting into the Word for myself. It wasn't enough for my parents to know it, my friends to know it, but I had to know it. And so the Lord was like, go down to the chapel and pray. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm good with here. And the Lord was like, go to the chapel and pray. And then I found there were some guys that were at the chapel. And then I thought, I don't want the guys to think that I'm there just so that they think that I'm there to see them pray and that they want to see me pray. So then I started going to the chapel earlier than the guys. You know what I mean? Like you get in a cycle and then you, before you know it you're like two o'clock in the morning at the chapel just to pray to be by yourself and you're like what have I done to myself okay it really wasn't that early don't stress but I say that in jest but I do say it to say this you have got to get in prayer for yourself you have got to know that you have power and authority for God and with God so number one you're going to rise up for yourselves number two you're going to rise up for your friends Mark 2, 1 to 5, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so there's no longer room to receive them, nor even near the door. And he preached a word to them, and then he came to them bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when he could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when he had broken through, they let him down the bed, which is the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sons be forgiven you. So this story 
is interesting because we see four men that have a friend that really need to get to Jesus. And it's not the day where it's like loungy, get to know Jesus at Starbucks. It is the house is packed and you cannot get to Jesus day. I mean, everybody is crammed in there. They kind of peeked around. They're looking. But they needed him to get to Jesus so bad, they decided to do the unthinkable. When is the last time that you've done the unthinkable to get your friend to know the Lord? A little unconventional, maybe. Maybe people look at you or there's a mess that you've caused because you're trying to get your friend to Jesus. And so that is exactly what was happening to them. I experienced this in my own life about uh, August will be two years ago. I was driving from a Pizza Hut, so I should have known something was wrong that I was at Pizza Hut. If you work there, God bless you and all of that. But I was going to go to teach a class in my church, and I was driving, and I had a brain aneurysm rupture in my, in my brain while I was driving. I should say while well, my angels started driving me because they drove me to a parking spot at Arby's, and they parked right into the spot. And that's when we know that Celinda was not driving. It was the angels because I parked right in the spot. And even on good days before, I didn't do that. And so I went through the history of my phone, and I called people on my history of my phone. I got a hold of my oldest daughter, Sienna. And at that time, I was having seizures, and she could hear that I was vomiting, and I just kept telling her that my head hurts. My head hurts. She found me on Life360, the app that I had applied to spy on her. When she was out on date, she found me. And they took me to the hospital. Uh, my brain was actively, it was bleeding. I had seizures in my brain. And two and a half months, I was in ICU. I was having vasospasms, tremors in my brain, and they began to say that I needed to be hydrated further. And so they began to hydrate me, and I gained 40 pounds of liquid that they were trying to put on me to keep my brain hydrated. And it was so much to the point that my mouth would no longer stay, my tongue could no longer stay inside of my mouth, and I... My lungs were failing because of this. And during this, my daughter was getting ready to go to college. And so at that point, I wasn't intubated. And she came in, and I, told, I looked at her, and I said, you're fine. The angels of the Lord are going with you. There are two that have been assigned to you, and I'm proud of you. And she left to go to college. I did not take her to college. And here is what I'm going to tell you. I couldn't rise up for myself. I had to get intubated. I was on life support. I could not rise up for my. There's nothing inside of me that could have risen up for myself. But the family of God and my friends around the world stood behind me. Not only did they stand behind me, but they started fasting and they started praying and going to God. So much so that after I did wake up eventually later, I found out that nations were having days of fasting and prayer that's what I want to say to you, that this thing of friendships and the family of God, it's not a light thing. It's life-saving. And for me, it was physically life-saving, but for you, it is life-saving in so many other ways. You have got to have the people that you're sitting next to. 
These are the people that years from now, you're going to be able to call them and say, I'm having a rough day. I need you. I need you to cover me in prayer. But even more so, you don't know when you're going to need them to step in in a life and a death situation. Because of the prayers of God's people, he totally sustained me. It's a very, very, very long story, the miraculous power of God. My doctors said that they would walk in and, and they said that they, they didn't really know what, that they believed in all this, but they felt like they had to keep me alive. And so one would walk in and say, I don't know why you're telling me to keep her alive, but if you want me to keep her alive, you tell me what to do today because I don't even know what to do anymore. And she would make adjustments based on what she felt that day. And so the prayers of God's people sustained me. But do you understand it is a life and death situation for your friends to know about this Jesus? When you go back this summer, your friends, there's going to be some of them that you went to high school with. They have never been exposed to this Jesus You're going to come back and they're going to say, you went to Bible college, what did you do there? But you've got to live so differently in front of them that they're going to want to taste that Jesus that you've experienced because you've got to be the spark for their life. And these these guys, they were so drastic for their friends to get to Jesus that they weren't just like, you know what, dude, I'm sorry, it is so packed, it's not a good day. They found another way to get their friend to Jesus. So whatever it takes, whatever measures it is, be creative in witnessing to your friends. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't want it to be that the Lord comes back and I haven't been fervent about getting my friends in church. I might be the only witness that they have. And so I've got to be serious about this thing. If it takes tearing the roof, I've got to tear the roof off for them to get before him. There's got to be a change. And so I'm sure it was a struggle. I'm sure that they could have just said, you know, today's not a good day, but they were fervent about it. And so we're going to be a warrior for ourselves. We're going to be a warrior for our friends. But then we're going to be a warrior for our territory. I don't know what the Lord is calling you to. Some of you, it's global mission. Some of you, it's North American mission. Some of you, it's to be a helper in a church. Some of you, it's to youth work. But you have to rise up for that territory. You have to rise up for that territory that God has called you to. When you go to bed at night, you have to say, I have done the absolute best with what the Lord has given me for what he's called me to. And you have to do that daily. There's not a day that you can check out of this thing. You don't get a free pass. It's got to be intentional living. And I'm sorry if that sounds hard, but you know what? His love for me is so great that I've got to do this thing even if it is hard. And I'm accountable to what God has called me to. That calling is greater than my little needs for today. 2 Samuel 23, 11 to 12. And after him was Shammah the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils so that the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. 
we find here a man that, when I've read it in the past, has always been kind of funny to me because I thought, really? You're just, you're going to defend a field of beans? Because I don't even like him in soup. I don't know about you, but chili day is not always the best day in my house. It's like push him over to the side. Maybe someone else will want the rest of those beans, and then you eat the meat. But here's a guy that's defending a bean field. It's like, just give it up, man. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the world today? Just give it up. What are you, what are you doing? You're standing in a field. Who cares? Who really can't focus over here? Hey, over here. Everybody's over here right now. What you do, you're standing, do you realize you're standing there alone, right? You're looking really stupid right now. I don't think he really cared. Because you understand that his name meant the Lord is present. His very name meant the Lord is present. So when he went to the grocery, it'd be like, hey, the Lord is present. How's it going? Go to the cleaners. The Lord is present. I got your stuff for you. The Lord's present. Good to see the Lord's present. He'd go home and get dinner. The Lord's present. Your meal's ready. Come on in. Pull up some grass and sit right down there. Hey, did you know, hey, the Lord is present. Come over here and tell that story. Tell that one story. You know how you're real good at telling that one story? The Lord is present. Tell us that one. But you see, there's something that came over him because he started believing the Lord is present. The Lord truly is present. And so you and I are called to something greater, not just to ourselves and not just to our friends, but to our people. And it's not because of us anymore. It's because the Lord is present and they need to hear that the Lord is present because as far as I know, he is the only one that can save, heal, and deliver. And so whatever situation it is, the Lord is present The Lord is present, and he was reminded of it so long. Could it be that it got into him? The Lord is present. And so that's why I think there was a little bit of boldness when he saw the enemy coming in and taking more territory and coming in and taking more territory that he wasn't going to just lay back and take it because he knew the Lord is present. And there is something to defend. I find that I am, I'm only 50, and I say that to you, and that sounds ancient of days, but I'm only 50, but I see a changing in us, and I see that now it's it's easy to push to the side because someone else is going to take care of that. Someone else, it's someone else's problem. Do you have a burden for the Muslims? Someone is going to witness to them in our town. Do you have a burden for the Hindus that have moved in, a people group that no one's working on? Someone is going to get a burden for that. Someone is going to get it. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, I go to church. I have a great church. I'm in the praise team. The Lord is present with us there. But 
Could it be that we get sick of our own self just looking at us for no more and know that the Lord is calling us to something greater, people? It's not just about the ones sitting in the pew. We have the answer. We've got to open the doors and get out of the church. I have missed it if I think I'm doing just fine by coming to church over and over and over again and speaking to the same people when there's people that I pass on the road that need help. And I am saying the Lord is present and looking up, but I am ignoring their cry. And I am not an answer to that situation because I'm not bringing the very one that has an answer into their life. And I pray that the Lord troubles your spirit. I was up praying for you this morning. And and if you want to get a little frustrated when you hear this, that's okay. I have pretty big shoulders for a girl. But you know what? You can get mad at me, but I want you to know that you've got to take this territory. The Lord is present and he is with you, but there are territories that have to be taken. But to do that, we have to open up the doors of our churches and let them in. We have, when is the last time that you have weeped over souls? When is the last time you have said, I have the truth, but they don't? When is the last time you've gone to your pastor and said, you know, let's get an outreach program? I don't even know if this will work in our city, but let's try it because these people are worth it. This bean field, it looks like nothing to anybody else, but I'm standing here in Pena, Illinois, and I'm going to defend this bean field for the Lord when is the last time that you said God this is about something that is so much greater than me and I know we can do it because from the time I've been little the Lord is present and so I hope there is a challenge that rises up in your spirit today that you realize it's not just about you. It's not just about your friends, but it's about your territory. Your territory might be in Europe. Your territory might be in Africa. Your territory might be in Nebraska. It might be in Minnesota. I don't know where the Lord has called you to, but you've got to rise up in that territory for the Lord because the enemy wants to come in and he wants to make the territory smaller and smaller. But you can stand there and go to the parameter and say, the Lord is present. 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 Because where the Lord is, it's always a majority. Satan is actively taking ground and the church is actively falling asleep. I read a post the other day that Because of the lack of attendance, the church had decided to just, instead of having three services on Sunday morning, just go to one so you could have family time together. And our church is being lulled to sleep. The territory is waiting for us to take it, but we have to be able to stand and say, we're going to take it. Our musicians are going to come. A couple years ago, I heard of a story that
ate me up. It, it just ate me up. And uh, I had to find where it was from. I, when people quote things when they're speaking, I always, I'm, you know, I know everybody's Google searching and I was one of them. I was like, I don't even know. How can we even know that that really happened? This is so long ago. Where, how does this happen? And, and so I found out that Penny Lee, Penny Lee is a minister from upstate New York and she was ministering at a church and there was a line waiting to meet her after she got done speaking. And so there was a man that was waiting in the line. He was elderly, and so she said, I'm so sorry that you had to wait in line. He'd waited close to an hour to talk to her. And uh, she said, what can, I, what can I help you with? And he said, I just want to tell you that I was a child during the time of the Holocaust, and I went to church in Germany. And she said, oh, well, you know, thanks for sharing that. And he said, no, you don't understand. He said, my church was right next to the train tracks. And um, we could hear the sound of the whistle. And we could hear the clacking of wheels as the train passed. And we could hear the cries of people that were in the boxcars because they were going to their death. They were crammed in the boxcars, and they were going to be euthanized. And we could hear them crying out. And so this was kind of disturbing to our minister because he was trying to minister. And so instead of hearing that, he just said to all of us, he said, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Everybody, let's, let's sing a little louder. And he said, so we would sing a little louder so that we didn't have to hear the cries of those that were on their way to be killed. The ones that were going by our church, we, we didn't stop. We didn't pray for them. We, we just sang a little louder. See, that story stuck with me so strongly because I repented to God. And I said, could it be that I've come and I've sat on the pews and, and I've gone to the grocery store and, and I've seen people in my city and all along they're crying out for help and I'm singing a little louder. I don't want to deal with it. I know where I sit every Sunday. I'm, I'm fine. Sing a little louder, Celinda. Just sing a little louder so you don't have to face it. Just sing a little louder. Deal, deal with what you're dealing with in church and just you don't have to worry about the cries of those outside. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. And so I don't know what field the Lord has called you to, but I know he's called you to a field. So I want us to stand together. And I want you to have a gumption get inside of you. I want you to have something stir inside of you that you're going to rise up on behalf of your territory. You're not going to say, sing a little louder. You're going to say, God, help me hear the cries of those that are in need. Help me to hear the cries of those that you've called me to. 
So I don't know where you're at today. Some of you need to rise up for yourself. Some of you need to rise up on behalf of your friends, but some of you need to rise up for your territory because if the Lord tarries 10 to 20 years from now, there's people that are counting on you. There's churches that are waiting to be planted. There's mission fields that are waiting to be opened. And you're the one that's called to them. There's no one else. There's no one else. God, I just wanted to deliver today what you've given, but Lord, now you have to do the work. You have to touch and deliver and speak. And I know that there is such a calling on this place. God, I feel your anointing and your calling. God, we are going to be sensitive to the calls of those that we are accountable for, God. God, we are going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to do the work. Why don't you go ahead and just cry out to the Lord, find an area, that's it, all across this place. God. That's it. Some of you need to be calling out for yourself right now. Some of you, the enemy's coming and he's trying to destroy your mind. You need to cry out for yourself. Some of you, you have friends that need you to cry out to the Lord for them. You got to bring them before the Lord. And then some of you have a calling that the Lord has called you to. In the name of Jesus. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
you right now. And why don't we just begin to respond to the presence of the Lord. If you want to come down to the front and kneel down or if you want to just lift your hands. But come on, I think we need to make a commitment. I think we need to put movement with that. I think we need to begin to surrender our heart to God and say, Lord, I give my life to you. God, I'll fight for this area. I'll fight for this territory. God, I'll fight for lost souls. I, I'm not giving up my calling. I'm not going to let the enemy discourage. God, this summer is my summer to make a difference in the community that you place me in, the friends that I've accumulated. God, I don't want one of them to pass by and, and walk on to eternity without me reaching them with the gospel. Come on, that's it. Somebody begin to pray for a burden. Pray that God would speak to you. Some of you need to pray for a brother or a sister, an aunt or an uncle, a parent. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. If you can use 